Hello team and welcome to episode 368 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode I have the pleasure of speaking with Sergio Nazaro. Sergio is an Air Force veteran and performance coach who is on a mission to help entrepreneurs have it all in their marriage, their business and their relationships. The balance between being successful in your work, relationships, friendships, your personal development etc seems like an impossible task. You get ahead in one thing and then you drop the ball in another. This tends to be the case for the majority of us. But what if it didn't have to be this way for any of us if we just simply knew how? And that's exactly what Sergio and I discussed today. In this episode, you can expect to learn how to find out what you truly want in life and start working towards it, how we can strive towards success in not just one, but all areas of our life, along with how Sergio is choosing to be a conscious parent and breaking generational cycles. So without further ado, Sergio Nazaro. Sergio Nazaro, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Ellie. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Hey, the pleasure is truly mine, dude. As I mentioned to you just off air, this is the type of content that I love to speak about. It's that the type of content I love to consume myself, everything that you put out. So I'm excited to dive into this one personally. So for the listeners who haven't heard about yourself before, can you give us a bit of background on who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah. So I'm Sergio. I live here in Denver, Colorado, and uh, I have a coaching company called Become the Standard, where we focus on entrepreneurship, people's relationships as it relates to how they work through their entrepreneurship journey and then their business. Uh, and then on top of that, always have to throw in the health and fitness because without that, none of this shit matters. And so my journey really started when I made the decision to become an entrepreneur. I was going down this path as a real estate agent. I dedicated my entire life to that. And in that, I lost a lot of me. My relationship started to suffer. I had a heart attack at one point. Yeah, it was just a tough situation. So ended up having to call off my wedding with my wife. She's my wife now. Everything worked out. Was in the hospital. I had a heart attack at 34. That was kind of a wake-up call. And I got to the end of the biggest year that I've ever had in real estate, only to realize that I was a professional success and a personal failure. And as I started to talk about these questions with other people that were in my inner circle, it was a common theme, right? People were accelerating in one or two areas of their life, but they couldn't have it in all four. And so now I'm on a mission to help people have it all in their life as they pursue what they're trying to pursue as an entrepreneur. Yeah, dude, I think that that's such a common narrative. And if anything, in those type of spaces, it's reinforced. It's like, well, you don't need to care about your family and friends as long as you've got this amount of digits in your bank account, or you don't need to care about all these other things in life when it comes to being in the top 1% of athletes, for example, right? It all comes down to this one personal success that kind of prevails over all. And I'm very curious to ask that question. I do want to dive a little bit deeper on your story, but I want to get this question on the table before it goes, is how do we balance becoming a professional personal success? Does the narrative need to change first? Because I feel like not enough people are saying, ah, you can have it all. So many people are saying, you know, one individual success at a very high level and nothing else. So where do you find us creating that balance? I think there's a lot of truth to that statement though, right? Like you look at some of the best, right? And Michael Jordan or LeBron and some of those, they've had to sacrifice and dedicate time, money, blood, sweat, tears, lack of time with their family, all to become the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, right? He got divorced. I mean, and that's that was his pursuit. 
my question back to that is like, how does that serve what you want in your life? Like if you truly want a healthy relationship and you also want to be a success, oh, and you don't want to fuck up your kids' lives, right? Well, then you got to take a step back and be like, do I want to be in the most top elite upper echelon of upper echelons? Or is the 95% of having it all across all domains worthwhile to me? Because now I know not only am I having success, but I'm also inspiring and having impact on the next generation, my spouse, and I can also lead by example. So I think there is this narrative where it's like, you know, success in entrepreneurship is great, but at what cost? Because if you have nobody to share it with, right, then you're just going to get to the top of that mountain and realize you're by yourself and it's really lonely there. Yeah, totally. And I remember a coach I had a few years back, he was in health and fitness. And he told me, you know, it's not that bad to be the top 10% of the pursuit you're after. You're still in a very, very elite category of people. And the 10% is nowhere near as hard. And it doesn't require as much sacrifice as getting to that 1%. And the reality is, is if you strive for that 1%, you're probably going to realize that when you get there, you might not actually want it. So really, like first and foremost, make sure you choose that that's what you actually want. And also, if you look around, and you're like, well, actually, I love this pursuit that I'm after, whether it's business or sport or whatever. But I actually also like these other things in life, like having friends, having family, having a partner and having healthy relationships. He's like that 90, 95 percent is where you want to be. If you try and strive to be the one percent of individuals, then realistically, you're probably going to have to sacrifice all of that. So I think that's a a very, very um, good perspective to have because I've not heard about striving to just be, you know, 90, 95%, but not be 100% all in on those pursuits. Yeah, and I think there is this kind of aspect of like, as you start to transcend your success and you start to get to the top of these peaks and you get more perspective and your power and capacity has increased as well. Well, now, right, going from that, maybe that 90 to 95%, right? You have the skills and you have the depth and you have the context and you have the ability to move up to that next percent and you're not really sacrificing as much. As you start to achieve success in all these areas of life, you start to create the skill sets and the mindsets and the capacity to move you from that top 10% to maybe that top 5%. And so it is in that that you have to check in with yourself to see, okay, is this next ascent worth what I want to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really, really valuable to have that awareness to step back. But I think that awareness piece is missing. And I'm going to ask you a question a little bit later on that as well. But coming back to your story, I always like to dive into people's origin stories, get an idea of where it all began. So I can imagine that your time in the Air Force taught you a lot of different things about life, ways of being. What type of things did you carry over from that time in your life to the work that you do today and the man that you are today as well? Yeah. You know, the interesting part about entrepreneurship is there's nobody watching you. It's all up to you. And so, you know, in the military, it's very structured, very disciplined, and there's some core values associated with it. And so I've tried to extract a lot of the things that I learned while I was in the military. Structure not being so much, maybe structure in my day, but I don't think structure really allows you to expand when you're in a growth period, right? It's very like uh, confining. However, discipline has become a really important thing for me. It allows me to really step into knowing what I have to do and what is required for me to do in order to get to where I want to go. And it, it removes the emotion aspect of out of it, right? Because there's the majority of days I don't feel like working, um, but I know what I need to do and I know what my mission is. I think the core values that I took out of the, the Air Force were really big, right? Integrity first, service before self, and excellence in everything I do. And I think the integrity aspect is doing what I say I'm going to do, even though nobody's going to watch me. Entrepreneurship, 
all of the success comes from the work that you do in the dark. You don't get it unless you're, you're putting in the time and the effort, right? And so that integrity piece is really important. The service before self is as a coach, right? Like there are a lot of coaching programs where the model is to keep the coaching member in the coaching program as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, I think that's doing a disservice to the client. I look at it the other way. I want to accelerate your results as quickly as possible and get you out of my program so that you're not reliant on me. What I do know in that is that as you start to grow and you become more and more successful, new problems start to arise. So if you then choose to come back, that's a different story. But service before self really puts the client ahead of me. And then the last thing, excellence and everything I do, like I have a responsibility to become an elite coach in order to serve my clients at the highest level. And so without having that desire to be excellent, to be elite, right, I can't deliver the results that they need. And so that puts some responsibility back on me. And that kind of really dovetails into the discipline aspect of all of those. So I think between the discipline and the core values, those are some things that I've really tried to instill in my DNA and carry through into my, you know, uh, entrepreneurship journey. And then also into my relationship with my wife and then with my son who, who just turned a year old. I absolutely love those core values and how you're using them in your day-to-day -day life. And I feel the same about the coaching service within health and fitness that I have as well. You know, the first thing is integrity. Realistically, if you don't do that work, you might be able to get away with it in private, but in public or when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're not getting away with that. And the same with the clients that I take on board. It's like, I don't need you to stay forever. I don't want you to stay forever. If you want to stay, amazing, but I never want you to need to stay. And I think that's the core component that I'm operating on. And obviously the excellence piece in terms of making sure that you show up as your best is like, as you've probably noticed as well, is that if you weren't doing the work, your clients would see straight through that. You wouldn't have as much business. You wouldn't have people looking towards you as the person to help change their life as well. So I can 100% align with those as well. And I think that those are some really great core principles to take forward with you into your day-to-day -day life and also your work life as well. And I'm very curious to get an idea into your program and obviously how you take people from where they are to where they want to be. And I'm curious to hear about some of the main challenges that people have when they come to you initially. Do you find that it's usually maybe a lack of, yeah, I also want to come back to that question on discipline structure as well. So I'll go there in just a moment, but do you usually find it's maybe a lack of discipline? Is it a lack of quote unquote motivation? Is it a lack of taking personal responsibility? What are some of the main challenges that people come to you with initially and how do you break through those? There's two. One, people have no idea what they want. They say they know what they want, but they truthfully have no clue what they fucking want, right? And so I think part of this is getting clear on that. The second aspect is people are liars. They lie to themselves. They lie to, the, they lie to their spouse. They lie to their coworkers. And it's not like this massive lie. It can look like embellishment. It can look like a lie of omission where they just remove the facts to make themselves look better. Or they could actually just be straight up like liars. Either way, Right. One of the biggest things that we have to do is get clear on what you want or else you're never going to actually put the effort in into the program. Right. You're just going to continuously be like kind of like subsurface. Right. Just kind of barely doing the work. And then, two, we have to get to the facts of your situation, because if what you want is built in fantasy because you've never been honest with yourself, then we have to get we have to get to the facts of what is not working and what is working in your life. And so the majority of the work is simply getting people to the truth of their own life. Because once we're there, then we can start to build on the foundation of truth. Because if we're not building on foundation of truth, then all we're building is a complete bullshit fantasy storyline in the future. And I've seen this a lot. People are like, I want to make a million dollars. 
And they're like, I was like, okay, well, what do you do now? They're like, well, I make $20 an hour at Starbucks. I was like, well, you can't make a million dollars in a year doing that. So that's just complete bullshit. Let's get to the facts of your skill sets and all of that. Then let's start to build your future, the stepping stones to get there. So I think a lot of people come in, right, with just being liars and not knowing what they want. And that's the majority of the work that we have to do. Do you think people are deceived by their own lies? This guy who's working at Starbucks earning twenty dollars an hour might think that, well, I've got these ambitions to earn a million dollars, and I, this is what I really want. And you know, I'm coming to Sergio and saying, hey, this is truly what I want, man. Like, I know that my circumstance is not leading me there right now, but it's not that I'm lying. It's just that my ambition is there. I just don't know the path. Is that fair to say, or do you think that we still need to get real with ourselves on that very fundamental level? Listen, I think you can you can want anything, right? Like I want a billion dollars, right? But am I the man right now that can make a billion dollars? Absolutely not. And so I think there is this gap between what you want and who you are. Even if you do want it, why don't you have it now? Because if you truly wanted it and you were the person who could do it, then you would have it. And so I think if you're if you're able to do that, right? To really kind of like reconcile what you want and who you are, and be able to understand that there's a gap between those two, I think that allows you to accelerate to whatever it is that you want a lot faster. But until we start to, like I said, reconcile that and take inventory of what we're missing, then it really is just, it's just a fantasy. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense because if if they were the person who was capable of achieving those things, and I see it in the work that I do as well, they wouldn't be coming to you. They wouldn't need you to help them. They would be doing it on their own, right? So. Now I'm interested about how we fill that gap. Obviously, we get real of ourselves. We see what's working well in our life, what's not working so well in our life. But how do we continue on that path? Because $20 an hour to a millionaire isn't going to happen overnight. So how do we implement those things and keep them going long enough so that we become the type of person who can achieve the things that we want in life, whether it be monetary success, uh, relationship success, or all of the above? Yeah, part of it is right. First, we have to establish like what it is that you want. And then we have to establish the facts of today. And that's going to be across like your health and fitness. That's going to be in the connection that you have with yourself and your spiritual creator or your creator. Uh, that's going to be what's going on in your relationship with your spouse and your kids. And then what's truly going on in your business. And so once you have those facts, then we can start to build out targets in 12, 18 months down the road, right? Those can look a lot like reasonable targets. Maybe it's one to two X of what you're doing now. Maybe it's radical target. It's five to six X of what you're doing now. And then you have this idea of this impossible game, right? Which is 10 X of what you're doing. So we start to establish these targets over 12 to 18 months of what you want to accomplish. We get really clear on what those metrics are. And then on a monthly basis, we start to create targets for the month across your body, your being, your balance, and your business, we start to create targets in those areas to help align with moving you closer to your impossible game target. And so once you have those monthly kind of goals, those missions in place, then how do we break that down into a weekly cycle of being like, okay, I need to do this this week to move myself forward in this arena of my life. And so it becomes super tactical, super granular. And in doing that right now, you're tracking everything that you're doing on uh, on a more regular basis. And you can make lane corrections instead of getting 90 days into a cycle and being like, whoa, I'm way off course. Now I either have to take this massive swing at life, right? And it might work. It's like a Hail Mary, or I have to completely change where I'm going. Yeah. Does that distribution of energy look the same between those pursuits or 
For example, if I'm really struggling financially, do I need to place more of my energy there? Maybe my relationship's going well, so I'm going to continue to just kind of keep that going at the percentage I am. Or do you see kind of an equal distribution across the different pursuits that you want to achieve in your life? I think there's going to be a, a distribution that you, that's going to change based on kind of like where you're at. But what I do know is that your ability to maintain or elevate another area of your life will have an impact on the one that you're trying to work on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's once you're clear on like, well, where's the biggest gap here? You know, is it, Hey, I'm not having sex with my wife as much as I want to be having sex with her, which is impacting my, you know, my confidence in myself, which, you know, then I go into work and I'm frustrated or is it, Hey, my business is failing because I don't have the right people, but my relationship at home is wonderful. My health and fitness is great. Right. But my business is failing. Cool. Well, let's make sure that we are clear on what you need to work on your business, allocate the time, effort, and resources to that, but also make sure that in doing that, you're not pulling all of your energy from your relationship with your wife and your kids and just dumping it into your business. Because if you do, now we're going to have a deficit in that area. And now what's going to happen? Your business is going to be flourishing, but your relationships are going to be completely going to shit. And so now we have to extract the energy from that, put it back into your relationships, which is going to take it out of your business. And so it becomes this yo-yo cycle. So it's really about, yes, you can allocate additional time and resources to something, but you have to bring attention to all of them. Because if you don't, once one goes, starts to go downhill, inevitably the rest will follow if you don't make the correction. Yeah. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest and most challenging parts of this equation entirely. I don't know if you agreed that maybe you found the kind of balance that works for you now. But I think that that's the distribution challenge that the majority of people go through in life full stop. You know, even myself, probably uh, maybe 14, 15 months ago, I was someone who was like, I don't believe in balance. You know, I was this person who's focusing on this one singular focus. And then my girlfriend came into my life and I was like, all of a sudden I was like, ah, wait a minute, you know, other things do matter and I need to now distribute my energy. And that's probably the one thing that I think is maybe the challenge going forward is not putting the work into those areas. I love to put work into my business. I love to put work into my health and fitness and my relationship, but it's more a sense of saying, well, how do I know when to push a little bit more on this one and when to pull back? How do I know if I'm spending too much time here or too much time there? But I think, as you mentioned, like, observing what's going to have that domino effect. For example, health and fitness is probably the one for most people. You knock down that domino and all of a sudden everything gets better. So do you see it in a particular order? Or is, well, like you said, does it really depend on your life? But, you know, as I'm just thinking about it, things change. So it's like, how do we keep on top of where we need to change and give more energy and not base that off feedback that's negative. It's not like, ah, well, the zeros in my bank account are going down. That probably means I need to focus on my business or my, me and my girlfriend or wife are having more arguments. That means I need to place more focus here. How do we get to that point before the negative feedback hits us in the face? There's a lot of time that I spend in connection with myself. Since I got into therapy in 2015 after my deployment to Afghanistan, meditation has been a massive part of my life. So is journaling. And I think those things are really important because meditation allows you to clear the conduit between mind, body, spirit, and soul. And when you have that clear conduit and you can connect with yourself, there's going to be messages. There's going to be thoughts. There's going to be things that start to percolate to the surface. A lot of times, those are the things that we can't hear because we're so stressed out. Our inability to hear those then leads us to these moments of a breaking point and a breaking point in our business or in our relationship or in our health. 
where if we had simply just made it a dedicated time every single day to check in with ourselves through meditation, and then we lead into this, into this journaling or this stacking where we're, we're taking whatever came up and we're getting it down on paper, right? To, to memorialize it, to get it out. And then out of that journal, we take action based on what we've come up with. I think that allows us to make sure that we are constantly checking in with ourselves, constantly checking in with our mission, constantly checking in, and then we're taking the actions required to make sure that they don't get too off kilter. Yeah, I think that's an enormous, enormous takeaway from today's podcast is that awareness piece. I think the biggest mistake that maybe we make going through life is that we don't stop to reflect. We don't stop to ask ourselves the question. We get so caught up in the day to day that we end up not ever realizing, okay, what's going well, what's not going so well. And all that we see is what comes to the surface. And then we never are able to go down to the fundamental level and then realize what we actually need to change. It's more like putting out fires versus asking the question, well, why is the fire starting in the first place, right? And I think that, like you said, you can have some of those profound moments and those, you know, not even profound moments, but just those eye-opening moments when you sit there with yourself and something comes to your mind or you sit there with your journal and you write something down and it reveals something that is very obvious on the outside looking in. And that's quite often why so many people much better at giving advice to you than you are to them because if they can see your life from the third person and that's exactly what journaling and meditation in a way are is that third person perspective of the most important person in your life which is you yeah i mean let me give you an example i mean this shit hit the fan yesterday in my house oh really <laughs> right and it's because oh yeah oh absolutely we had a roof leak which had water coming through the ceiling that's stressful in and of itself, mm -hmm. right? Then I have some stuff going on in my business that I'm trying to rectify and get that going. Then my wife and I, because I am stressed out and I didn't properly manage my stress and connect with myself, now we get into a fight. And so it's this culmination of all of these things. And in the moment, you're like, oh shit, what is going on? Why is all of this happening? Right. And the reality is I didn't check in with myself. I wasn't aware enough what was going on that I was triggered that I'm just sitting here reacting instead of responding. So what happens now that creates stressors in my business, right? Because my clients can feel it. That creates stressors in my relationships. What's going to impact everything else, right? That in the, the relationship stress, like you and I are here in a conversation, my mind's still partially with her, right? So it's taking me out of the moment. For sure. And so what happens this morning? I wake up, I meditate, I journal, I acknowledge where I messed up. I accept that there's things that I need to work on to eradicate some of the triggers, right? Not just the small fire, but eradicate the fuel that creates the fire. And now today I can move through the day with a purpose going after the things that I need to get rid of, go after the things that I need to rectify. And when I do that, everything, all four domains of my life will start to increase again. Now, is it going to go perfectly? Probably not. But am I moving in the right direction? Absolutely. And I think that's the important part. It's progress, not perfection. Absolutely. And I think it's those smaller and maybe not even some said smaller, they, they're compounding, right? Everything in life is compounding the good things we do and the not so good things that we do. So if each time, you know, something like this happens, you react, then it's just going to be one line on the score sheet, essentially, and they're going to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. And that might be the result of your client leaving you because they're like, well, actually, I'm not getting that much value from you anymore. Or I can feel your vibe is this way or you're not the type of person who I expect you to take me to where I want to be. Same goes for your relationship as well. You know, those compounding things add up and add up and add up. And although they might seem small in the moment, I think that's the key to your success there. It's like being able to reflect on that 
allow it to not go on any longer than it should do, and then take personal responsibility, which is you know something I want to talk to you about today. And I think that maybe that's another key component to success in the people that you work with. How important is personal responsibility, and how do you get people to a point of where they recognize that everything that they do is their responsibility, and even some of the things that they don't do, they need to take some form of personal responsibility? Because I know a lot of people have challenge with accepting that. So how do you get people to that place? You know, I always start with people give me some information. It's like, what's not going well in your life? Like, where, what's all fucked up in your life? And they start to tell me. And, I, and I, I tell them, I was like, listen, if you fucked it up, then you can fix it. That's the beauty of this whole thing. But the only way for you to move from a mistake or a, a lesson or whatever word you want to call this to the state that you want to go is you have to own it. Because until you own it, you can't do anything about it. But the moment that you take responsibility, you take back some control. And when you take back control, then the actions that you take will allow you to create the state shift and move you to where you want to go. And so personal responsibility is like, it's 101. And there's a big difference between personal responsibility and personal, or like shaming yourself or guilting yourself, right? Like what are the lessons that you can get from this to change your actions? Not like, oh, I messed up. And then you live in this misery, right? That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But there's this real beautiful part about owning it. And like, there's two stories that have come up recently, right? About like personal responsibility. Like there was a story about a plus size woman who wanted to get on an airplane, but she felt like it was her right to have multiple seats assigned to her because of her size. What she doesn't want to talk about is all the shitty food that she's been eating, the lack of working out, the decisions that she made that has created this. And now because of her decisions, she wants somebody else to fix it. Or you look at the mortgage situation here in the US, they just rolled something out that if you have high credit score, you have to pay more to help the people with the low credit scores buy a home. So you're telling me the decisions that you made, we have to pay for. I'm all about helping people, but there is this part where like, if you can't take responsibility for what you've done, then you can't ever change your life because you're always going to be looking for a handout or somebody else to fix it. And so getting to the point where somebody can look at, be like, Hey, listen, I messed this up. I take responsibility for it. And now out of that, I can change my actions. And when I change my actions, I can change my future. That is a powerful story. Change your story, change your actions, change your actions, change your future. And when I can help people see that they're more likely to take responsibility for what is going on. Yeah, I think that that's so key. And those two examples that you gave us just there show the lack of awareness, show the lack of self-responsibility as well. And of course, people's circumstances can be very, very challenging. But I think that this comes down to the next question that I want to ask is you will speak to someone like me and you know, you're speaking my language, you're speaking all the words that I want to hear and I'll accept and I'll take it forward. And I imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast who have opened a podcast with this type of title, knowing the type of content that you talk about will be fairly open-minded and willing to take those things on board. And I'm very curious to hear about your take on people who are maybe at ground zero, you know, those people who are at zero awareness. Imagine you coming to contact with this lady who wants two seats on the plane. 
how would you get someone at that stage who's not even open to hearing this type of thing to a place where they start taking responsibility or they start being aware? Do you think it's available to everyone? Because I remember listening to a Joe Rogan podcast sometime in the past and he mentioned that, you know, health and fitness is just not going to be a reality for a lot of people. He was not very optimistic about people being able to take that on board. He's like, it's just not going to work for everyone. He's like, you know, it's going to work for an amazing amount of people and hopefully we can shift the state of the world in that sense, but not everyone's going to adopt it. Do you have that similar mindset in terms of people turning their lives around do you think that those people maybe at ground zero in terms of changing things those two examples that you gave you know the people who are open for those with high credit to help them with low credit and the other person who wanted those seats on the plane do you think it's possible for them to improve or do you really just don't think it's available to everyone i think it's available to everybody Mm -hmm. like it, it really is what's maybe not available to everybody is the mindset that's required to go from being awake or sorry being asleep to what is possible to waking up and being like, oh, there is a possibility for my life to be better. For sure. And so going from being asleep to that awakening is probably one of the hardest parts. And so most people, most, not most people, but there's a a lot of people that will never wake up to what is possible. And so those are the ones that will never probably make the adjustments until the pain becomes so bad that they're so sick of their own shit that they realize they have to make an adjustment. Pain is a really motivating thing. People want to run from pain. Very few people want to run towards pleasure. They just simply want to get away from pain. But until the pain outweighs their current circumstance, they probably won't change. Which when we talk about this personal responsibility, we're removing the pain from these people's lives short term, which is fine, right? Like you're giving her an extra seat. Cool. She can get from Orlando to LA. Right. You're giving somebody some additional money to buy a home, but what, what are you really doing? Well, you're not teaching them how to take care of themselves. And you see this with people raising their kids, right? Like they don't allow their kids to learn, right? They just coddle them all the time. And so then you have these weak individuals as kids and whose fault is it? Well, it's the parents. And so I think it's available to everybody. But what I think is the hard part is that we keep removing these points of pain and we're making it too easy on people. And I'm not saying like, Oh, it needs to be harder. You know, back when I was younger, I'm not saying that what I am saying is that like, you have to allow people to write their own ship and not constantly look for a handout. Yeah. And I think the biggest challenge is that when the thing that they're struggling with then gets reinforced by help from the government or help from other people who are kind of solving, as you mentioned, these temporary problems in their life, they can never get to that point. And not that I want people to reach rock bottom, but sometimes and what I'm discovering based on speaking to a ton of experts and in my own life as well, is that unless you get to rock bottom in this certain area, unfortunately, you don't ever have a strong enough reason to wake up. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we face is that, okay, well, you know, now being overweight is not a problem because I get two seats on a plane. Now it's not a problem because they're making, you know, triple XL clothes, you know, and now, you know, having low credit is not a problem because of, you know, these people with high credit are paying my bills, for example, paying a portion of whatever I need to pay. So I think that maybe that's the biggest challenge is that, you know, life is not necessarily saying, okay, we'll take responsibility. It's like, okay, how can we make this easier for those type of people, right? Yeah. I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. None of, none of where I'm at happened until I hit rock bottom and it was dark, man. Like it was a dark, dark spot in my life. And in that moment, I wasn't looking being like, well, this is the government's fault for sending me to Afghanistan. This is why I have PTSD. Oh, 
this is the drug dealer's fault for me, you know, abusing uh, Molly and cocaine and all this other stuff. Oh, this is, this is the alcohol company's fault for selling this, right? And no, this is, this is everybody else's fault for me not being emotionally available. No, I was like, this is my shit. I have to take responsibility for it. And it took me to the spot of when I was brought to my knees that I was like, damn, nobody's going to come save me. This is on me. And so there is a lot of power in rock bottom. And I don't wish that on anybody. But what I will say is that it's in a powerful state to be in because you can either use it to rise as the individual that you are meant to be, or it will break you to the point where then you have no choice but to rise. Yeah, I always say that rock bottom is a very stable place to stand up from. You know, it's not the place that you want to be, but if you're going to get up from anywhere, it's probably pretty stable for you to get your ass up and get going once again. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of sad stories where people don't escape rock bottom. And, you know, it turns out to be pretty tragic. But at the same time, if you look at it from that different perspective, and as you mentioned, you see that no one is saving me. I need to make a change right now. Like what I'm doing isn't currently working. So maybe I need to try some different things. It can be a profound experience and it really can. And I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everyone, but I pretty much think I know the answer already is that, do you think people can get to a stage of getting close to rock bottom or start to see things moving in the wrong direction, let's say for their lives and wake up sooner? Or do you really think that rock bottom moment needs to happen? I think if people are open to to growth and expansion if they simply have that mindset then they can surround themselves with their inner circle they can get a coach they can get a mentor and that can accelerate that path instead of having to hit rock bottom but you have to have the idea that something else is possible but what i've seen and i'm kind of like on your wavelength here is that like Rock bottom can look different for everybody. It could be a breakup. It could be a divorce. It could be a death. It could be a health issue, right? But that sparks a lot of change. It sparks a lot of change. So yeah, it's possible. But from what I've seen, everybody who's hit rock bottom, the majority of the people that I've been around with that has hit rock bottom have started to accelerate after the fact because they knew, right? Like I have nothing, I have nothing to lose. Yeah. That's the similar theme and response I've been getting from almost every person I answer. I'm hoping one day, I like your answer in the sense of saying, okay, if they have some awareness, like maybe their eyes can be opened earlier and maybe, you know, rock bottom is going to feel different to everyone, but maybe if it's just a breakup that's maybe after three or four years, there's maybe nothing too damaging, but again, we can't measure people's trauma, but it's damaging enough for them to feel like they can make a significant change that I hope that maybe you know, they think it's rock bottom, but really it's actually, you know, a couple of stones away and then they can wake up and do something about it. But I like that piece. And yeah, as you've mentioned, if you can note the things in maybe ambition is maybe perhaps a key as well. I think that that could potentially keep you from going down that route, right? Of letting yourself fall that far because if you're ambitious then you maybe look for coaches you look for material that's going to help you improve and maybe you might hit a really really tragic point in one area but because you're holding on to these other areas in your life it doesn't allow you to fall super far and you're able to continue with that ambition and grow regardless of the setback versus it being an absolute all-out rock bottom what do you think yeah i mean i think you know one of my missions is to find people that have a good life but they know that there's more and I think good can easily become the, the cancer to great in a sense that like, oh, my life's good, right? But like good usually leads to stagnation. And so one of the things I really want to like focus on is like people who are ambitious and have a good life, but they know that there's more out there. 
And so then we can avoid some of that rock bottom. We don't have to get there, right? We can take the the foundational skills and everything that you've developed and actually just add some fuel underneath it and take you to wherever you want to go. And th- those are really amazing stories because now people, those people become use cases. Those people become beacons of light for other people. They're like, well, my life is good and I want great. I don't need to hit rock bottom like my aunt did. I can just do what they're doing. And so now you're having these conversations where, you know, you hear people who have hit rock bottom and a lot of people who are now part of this vulnerability movement and are sharing these stories. Hopefully that is inspiring other people to be like, well, I don't want to get there. I want to protect and grow what I have. Yeah, that's a fair point as well. I forgot that we can actually look around and learn from others, you know, don't get me wrong. We sometimes have to go through individual lessons in our life that maybe we could have learned from someone else, but we needed that lesson for some reason. And we had to go through all of that trauma ourselves, but we can just look around ourselves. And, you know, a lot of people maybe choose not to touch alcohol because they saw their uncle as an alcoholic, for example. And I think that that's another nice piece as well. It's like, okay, look around you and ask yourself, like, what do you want? Do you want their outcome or do you want a different outcome? And that comes down to having examples of people around you who are hopefully striving for great and hopefully, you know, the work that you're doing and the people who are listening to this podcast are being inspired to do that and being on their way to do that as well. So I think more examples in this world could be a very, very valuable thing to help people avoid that as well. And I want to go on to something on a more practical level now. So when it comes to someone who's come to you, Sergio, they're like, I want to level up in every single area. I want to 10x my business. I want to 10x my relationship and I want to 10x everything that I feel in my life, what are some of the practical steps on a day-to-day basis that you feel that people need to do in order to create that type of life for themselves? Yeah, great question. Uh, My coach gave this to me and I've been giving this to my coaching members. It's called the core four. And when you think about the core four, I want you to think about these four domains. You have your body and your body's broken up into your fitness and your fuel. So your nutrition. You, got your, you have your being. And when you think about your being, that's your connection with yourself, connection with your higher power. But that's broken up into meditation and then memoirs. And memoirs you can think of as journaling. And I'll go back and kind of talk through all of these and kind of like the, the tactical part of it. Then you have your balance and that's your relationship, right? With your significant other, if you have one, um, or it could be with your significant other and your kids, or it could be with the people that are the most important people in your life. And then you have your business. Right. And I want you to think of your business as something that you'll discover. You're going to learn something every day and then you're going to declare and declaring is sharing that information with somebody on your team, going on Instagram live, right? Sharing it with a spouse, whatever it is. And so I track this stuff every day. So I get a half point for a workout, right? That's my fitness. And then I get a half point for my fuel. For me, fuel is just like a green smoothie, right? That's, I track that every single day. So I'm constantly moving forward for my, um, my, my being quadrant, right? meditation, 20 minutes of meditation in the morning. And then I always journal every single morning after my meditation, I get a half point for each one of those, right? So one point for body now, one point for being, then I have half point for person one and person two, or my, my spouse and and my child. These are daily investments that I make into them. That could be a a love note. That could be a video text. That could be a voice text. I like to send uh, a lot of my friends, a happy birthday voice text and let them know how grateful I am. For them, I'm making daily investments, which is a one-way street into the relationships that are the most important in my life. And then for business, right? There's always this aspect of either I'm reading a book or I'm listening to a podcast and it doesn't have to be long. It could be five minutes until something hits me and I'm like, ooh, that's a great lesson. Or maybe it's 30 minutes if I'm on a long drive. 
but I take whatever that lesson is and I get a half point for, for doing that. And the other half a point is when I share it with somebody either on my team, a coaching member, maybe I'm going on an Instagram live and I'm sharing that message. And so when I'm working in all four of those quadrants, that's building the power and the capacity that I need to operate in each one of those domains. And that carries over and builds momentum because as we talked about earlier, those things compound. And when you track them, you can see right where you're maybe having really good trends or maybe where you need to give a little bit more attention. Like there's been weeks where I've just missed making those daily investments in my wife. What do you think happens? Sex life isn't as great. We don't go on date nights. Things are impacted. So then I can look and be like, oh, well, that makes sense. I only did it three of the seven days last week. Now I can refocus for the following week and start to make those adjustments. And so I'm tracking those things every single day. And that allows me to keep attention on the things that are the most important to me. Yeah, that's huge. I think it's absolutely huge to have those practices. And also, as you mentioned, allow them to compound as well. It's again, these really ring true to the health and fitness world and the work that I do is like, well, you know, you've got X amount of boxes to tick on a daily basis. You've got your hydration box, you've got your activity box, you've got your nutrition box, you've got your sleep box. And do you know, the more that you tick those boxes, you know, lo and behold, your results start to come through. So as you've mentioned, I think it's just about pointing out those direct lines in your life to, okay, well, what does relationship look like to me? And it's like, okay, well, this is the way I want to communicate with my partner. This is their love language. So I'm going to do my best to deliver from that perspective. Same with the business as well. Okay. What things need to be done on a day-to-day basis to move things forward as well. And the part that I want to focus on the most is the being and the connecting with yourself. What does spirituality look like to you? You've mentioned meditation a couple of times. You mentioned a higher power a couple of times, but I think maybe that's the missing piece that a lot of people be like, okay, I get it when I need to go to the gym. I get that I need to work on my business. I get that I need to work on uh, my relationship with my partner, but how do I work on that relationship with a higher power? And how do I start to see the importance of that as well? Yeah. I can't remember who said this, but there is this concept of be, do, have. And we always want to focus on the do, right? We want to go work out. We want to work in our business, right? We want to uh, go on the date nights. These are all the things that we want to do so that we can have success in those three areas. But who you are being as an individual dictates all of that. Mm -hmm. And so our entire lives, right? We're born on this world with complete clarity. You ever looked at a kid like they're just curious, right? And, and, and they, they know who they are, right? They're learning who they are. And they're, as they're learning who they are, they're, they're getting all these lessons. But at some point, conversations, experiences, whatever starts to pile on us. And we have these moments where we forget who we are. And those things compile a lot, right? Those look like insecurities. Those look like a lack of confidence. Those look like an inability to maybe feel the spectrum of emotions. And so when I look at this balance quadrant and meditation and the higher power, like I want to get to know myself better than anyone. And so I'm constantly not trying to become somebody different. I'm simply trying to reveal more of who I am by understanding myself, my patterns, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions. Right. The more I can understand some of these things and get to know myself. Well, now that opens up the opportunity for a lot of different decisions, a lot of different connections, you name it. And then the other aspect of this is like, I believe in God, right? That's what I believe in. I don't care who you believe in, what you believe in, karma, the universe, Buddha, Allah. I don't care. For me, it's God. And so there is a direct relationship that I have, right? In my meditation where sometimes I feel messages, things come through me. Right. And it's in those that I'm trying to capture that and listen to that because I believe that there is a calling for myself. 
if you're ever out in like nature, you, the nature's a really powerful teacher. You'll learn things, you'll hear things, you'll feel things simply if you're aware enough to do it. And so this being part of it, this meditation and this relationship that I have with God have become really strong for me because it's simply allowing me to become the man that I need to be in order to achieve what I want to achieve. And the more I'm being that individual, the quicker those results come that I'm looking for. Absolutely. That's powerful. And it's a bigger takeaway for many of us who maybe have been neglecting that area. And you just touched on something and it leads me on to the last topic that I want to go into today is you mentioned becoming the man that you need to be. And I'm curious to get your take on masculinity in 2023. I feel like it's in a pretty precarious position. It's, you know, not really easily defined by many, many people. I mean, for the people who have defined it for themselves, I'm probably the best version of doing that, given the fact that it has so many different definitions. I'm curious to get your take on what masculinity looks like in 2023, in the day that we are today. Where is your thoughts on that? Well, people fucking hate guys right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, and listen, right, rightfully so, because I believe that there is this idea of toxic masculinity. And in my opinion, toxic masculinity is simply the absence of actual masculinity. And masculinity, in my opinion, right, the way I kind of define it is the ability for you to feel and navigate all of your emotions, truly embrace who you are, and step into your role as a strong, independent individual. And so all of this looks to me like, you know, there. I think about like how my, my dad was raised by my grandfather. My grandfather fought in World War II. He came back from World War II super stoic. Yeah. And my dad never felt his love. And I can feel that out of my dad. Now, my dad made a decision to become a better father and to raise me, being able to see him be more vulnerable, cry. But inevitably, stoic tendencies rolled down to him. Same thing happened to me, right? I'm making the decision. I have my little son, Luca. I'm trying to be a more emotionally available version to him, teaching him that sadness and happiness and anger and all of these emotions, the spectrum of emotions are all really important to feel. But the military stunted my growth. I have some stoicism in me, so that's going to carry down to him. It's inevitable. But the whole point of this masculinity part of it is right is to simply step into all of it your masculine side and your feminine side. And when you're able to bridge those two together, you become a whole individual. And the ability to become a whole individual is the true sign of masculinity as a man. Yeah, I like that a lot. I will challenge you on the stoicism part. I don't necessarily maybe think that stoicism is the challenge for me. Stoicism is, you know, going through those four virtues, you know, uh, courage, temperance, virtue, and wisdom. And I think that it's only when stoicism is taken as a lack of emotions or not feeling things as you should do. And for me, stoicism is taking that information and then choosing your response, which I think is a pretty powerful practice that has helped me. I think, you know, not integrating the emotions, not integrating your feminine masculine, as you mentioned, that's the part for me that leads to problems versus stoicism per se. Would you say that's fair or do you have a different opinion? I think I misspoke, right? Honestly, I think what I would say, like a, a stoic nature in the sense that there was no emotions being shown. But I'm, I'm with you. I think stoicism and those four tenets are really important. I think what I was trying to say is that when you see something modeled for you and there is the absence of those emotions and you, you're acting stoic in the sense that like nothing is coming up and you're just kind of like deadpan, that's dangerous. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I was just about to ask you the question of like how you're continuing to do the work to make sure that as you grow up, Lucas sees a diverse range of emotions from his dad. And I guess that comes back to that awareness piece, checking in with yourself, you know, checking if you've got that point on your score sheet for the day as well, right? Yeah. And listen, he's one years old. He doesn't understand a whole lot what I'm saying, but he probably understands more than I believe he does. He also feels a lot. And so I talked to him. I'm like, hey, man, I had a tough day today. Like, I'm sad about this. You know, this is how I'm feeling, but this is how I work through it. Right. I've let him see me cry. Right. I've told him how much I love him. Like, I've cried on his first birthday. I cried. I was just told him, letting him know, like, dude, I, you're the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Right. Like, I never wanted kids and I'm so grateful that I have you. And it's like this ability to just like with an open heart and man, I'm going to get emotional, open heart and an open mind, being able to just speak to him the way that I would want somebody to speak to me as a kid. That's beautiful. And that's what I think it's all about. It's just making sure that the cycle doesn't continue and that you carry forward the values and the traits and the behaviors that you want to carry forward. Right. And that's how we break those generational cycles. And that's how we move into much more productive cycles that are set to flourish. So I'm sure he's going to grow up to be a great boy and a great man one day as well, Sergio. So I want to close off with a final couple of questions. And the first I have for you is what impact do you want to have on the world with the work that you do? Mm, That's a great question. I think a lot of people believe that they can't have it all in their life. And so since they can't have it all, they only focus on one area or they don't focus on any because it seems like the work is too hard. But I believe like if you can start to move in the right direction, we can start to get some traction. We can get clear on what you want. We can put the things into place so that you can start to see what is possible in your life. Then the moment that you start to change an individual, you change a family, the change, change a family, you change right? A community, you change the community, you change the city, you change the city, you can change the state, you change the state, you change the country, country, you change the world. And it all starts with one person because you become a beacon of light for somebody else. Ellie, I know for a fact that there are people looking at you being like, that is a beacon of light for me. And so what happens at that point? Well, they take the lessons that you've taught them and they implement them into their lives. And now whoever's in their ecosystem feels it. And so I understand that having the impact on one man, one woman, can have the impact that has a massive ripple effect. And so it's it's just simply starting to help people peel back what they want, get them to do it so that they can become the light for the people that need it. Man, I love that answer. I really, really do. And I think that that's what we, what we need. You know, we just need examples and we just need the belief that sometimes someone needs to speak into us to become who we can truly become and just, as you've mentioned, show that our potential is limitless. And it's not just about it being limitless, but it's actually acting on that and really believing it and, you know, making actions and behaviors on a day-to-day basis that reinforce that and create the life that you want to. So I love that mission, Sergio. And for anyone else who loves your mission or everything that you've spoken about today, where is the best place for them to find you and your coaching program? Yeah. Come follow me on Instagram, Sergio. S-E-R-G-I-O dot Nazaro, N-A-Z-Z-A-R-O. Or you can go to becomethestandard.live. Perfect. Sergio, thank you so much for your time today. This has been an enlightening and powerful episode. Really appreciate your wise words. I appreciate it. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Elliot. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast from. 
and go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.